Hi, welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, let's discuss the anatomy of a tooth. Let's explore the basics of what makes up the tooth. Let's chat about eruption timing. And I also want to discuss innovation and blood supply. Let's save classifications and naming of teeth for another future episode. Okay, let's start the timer. I find teeth fascinating. A little weird, but fascinating. They're a little bit of an anomaly in the body in the fact that they are, in essence, organic rocks. They contain a hard outer mineral coat, and that would be just as at home on a display in a rocks and minerals gallery as it would in an anatomy museum. Yet they have an inner living core, with nerves and blood vessels, and making them very much a living tissue. They are living rocks that adorn the oral cavity. Now, as you're aware, teeth are found in the upper and lower jaws of the maxilla and mandible in the human mouth. We humans are diphodonts, meaning we have two sets of teeth in our lifetime. We have 20 deciduous or primary teeth, which are sometimes termed milk teeth in the UK, and these fall out or exfoliate at varying times during your childhood. And from the age of around 6 to 21 years of age, your permanent teeth start to erupt from the gums or gingiva. First to show are your front teeth, or incisors, and the full adult set is complete when the wisdom teeth or third molars arrive sometime in your early 20s, or not at all in some people. But what makes up a tooth, anatomically speaking? Well, the part you see above the gingiva or gum line is called the crown, and anchored deep in the bone are the roots of the tooth. Crowns have an interest in topography with raised areas called cusps and grooves in between these. I always envisage them like a mountainous plateau for some reason. The outer couple of millimetres of the crown is made up of the hardest substance in your body, an off-white coloured tissue we call enamel. Enamel is mostly calcium phosphate, however it is arranged in crystals of hydroxyapatite. This highly mineralised substance is extremely hard yet brittle and susceptible to damage from acidic substances in our food and drink. The resulting holes that form from the damage are called caries, which is both the plural and the singular form of this word. And simply speaking, these are what we cover up with dental fillings. Working away inferiorly then and onto the superficial surface of the root, we do not find enamel. Instead, there is a softer bone-like tissue type whose name explains its function. Cementum. Cementum's role, along with its industrial-sounding counterpart, helps cement or attach the tooth to the tooth socket or bone. At the interface between bone and cementum, we observe specialised connective tissue fibres, and we term these the periodontal ligaments. The joint found in the teeth is a type of peg and socket joint, which really has a spectacular name, the gomphosis. The gomphosis is the only joint in the body that is not formed between two bones, as teeth are not bone. Okay, taking a deeper dive into the surface of the tooth then, we find the third of the four tissues found in teeth, Dentine. Dentine is found in both crown and root and is a living tissue that is yellow in colour and unlike enamel, it is sensate. Enamel erosion and exposure of dentine can make teeth susceptible to temperature changes or increase sensitivity, particularly to cold foods and drink, or wind for that matter. Without going too deep into its structure, dentine is very similar to bone in it has organised channels and a cannulicular system, but bone it is not. The final tissue type to discuss then is found in the very core of the tooth and extending down the roots, and it is called pulp. Pulp is comprised of connective tissue, and here we find the neurovascular bundle that supplies blood and sensation to and from the tooth. It is also from this tissue where the living cells found in teeth and dentin originate. 
In the event an infection enters the pulp, it can spell curtains for the tooth, as if left untreated, a dental abscess may form, and the tooth can actually die. Now, let's finish on neurovascular supply. The area of bone the teeth are located is termed alveolar bone, which is true in both the mandible and maxilla, or upper and lower jaws. It is called alveolar because when teeth are developing the bone, they start off looking like small cysts or sacs. Alveolar means small hollow or sac, as in the alveoli in your lungs. So the name fits in both cases. If you wish to see a good visual example of these developing teeth, pause the podcast here and Google pediatric dental x-ray. So, with this terminology in mind, it is not a big jump to discover the blood supply to the teeth is via the superior and inferior alveolar arteries and veins, superior branches to the maxillary teeth and inferior to the lower or mandibular teeth. These arteries are branches of the maxillary artery, which itself is a branch of the external carotid artery. And finally, innervation. Innervation is provided by the major sensory nerve of the face, the trigeminal nerve. Its lower two branches, the maxillary and mandibular branches, result in the formation of the superior and inferior alveolar nerves, which supply the superior and inferior teeth. In conclusion, you as an adult should have around 32 teeth, but you may have lost some along the way. These replaced your 20 deciduous or baby teeth, and they are principally made up of four tissues, enamel and cementum, encapsulating the crown and root respectively, dentin and pulp, making up the inner tooth, these inner tissues have a rich neurovascular supply, and this is via the superior and inferior alveolar arteries, veins, and nerves. My name is Chris Summers. Thanks for listening in, and I'll speak to you next week.